When you feel more than you can say, when words fail you, when syntax and grammar and well-constructed expressions are choked from your mind, and all that's left is raw feeling, a few broken words come forward. I'd like to believe those words, when everything's stripped away, might be the key to it all. This is AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. I'm your host, Ramia Amuthan. This quote, which, wow, really hit me, and we're going to talk more, not just about the quote, but about the book that it came from in detail later on with Amir Khan, who joins us with his reviews at the end of the month. Uh, but for the time being, it is from My Oxford Year, and this is a novel by Julia Whelan, and it is available on Sila. Speaking of Sila, let's get into that home page. I don't think I need to say anything more about that quote, by the way. It's just is what it is. It's written as it is beautifully and complex and uh, hit me. There, I said I would say nothing and I continued. Let's talk about the three featured titles on the Sila home page. If you go to celalibrary.ca, that's the Center for Equitable Library Access, and they have all kinds of books for your liking. Ebooks, audiobooks, and anything in daisy format that you may want to check out. The three titles that are up there right now are The Whispers by Ashley Audrain, and the conversation about The Whispers is coming your way very, very soon. It's a suspense and thrillers. If you want to read along with us to join us for the conversation next week, you got it. Also, The Wager by David Graham is up there. This is a history. And the last one up there is The Misses by E.L. James, a romance book. And these are the three featured titles uh, up there for the feature titles that Sila puts up, but you can continue to go through their categories, their award winners. You can also check out the Sila blog for more fantastic recommendations and listens that are uh, curated and created for us. When we come back, we're chatting with Amir Khan. He every month joins us at the end of the month, gives us his top three reads of the month and actually sometimes it's not the top three sometimes it's uh well this is what i read and this is the book count for the month but let's see what he has in store for us today You're listening to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. And it is the end of the month. We shall check in with our audiobook worm, Amer Khan. Today's theme, well, I don't know if you really call this a theme or just a, a one word per book, is Amnesia, Oxford, and Pakistan. So, Amer, I don't even know if I should be asking you if there's a relevance between these three words anymore other than the fact that they're the word to describe each book that you're highlighting today. No, it's actually just pick three, the continuing theme for this mm-hmm. year, um, which is picking three authors or three books. In this case, three themes uh, for the for the title. So right. uh, not too much shared between the two, nor did I try to figure out what might be uh, <laughs> relevant. I know. <laughs> That's your challenge for next month, okay? Interlock the three themes. Amr loves to pick... You love to pick... Um, music for the book club to kick things off i do and yes and those are always very fun the titles or the the content or sometimes just the party vibes you know this is gonna be one of these challenges what's the first book first book is called restart 
um, by one of the authors I have spoken about before, a great young adult author named Gordon Corman, who's Canadian. A lot of people know his books and works. I've talked about uh, some of his other books, like uh, Son of a Mobster and The Chicken Doesn't Skate and the McDonald Hall series. Um, this book is actually award-winning so uh, for young adults, so I wanted to see what it's about and how it's sort of different from the others I've read. And it is a very interesting plot for young adult. Uh, and I'm always amazed at how uh, Gordon Corman can sort of present topics in a way that's very palatable to, to young adults as well as to adults themselves. Um, the theme of the book is basically a football star uh, in junior high who's fallen off a roof and has suffered amnesia to the point where he cannot remember anybody but is still high functioning in terms of he knows how to do everything. He just doesn't know um, any anything from his past. And as he starts to navigate his world in terms of going back to school and dealing with family, he slowly starts to get the feeling that in his previous life, he was a bully and a huge jerk. So it's this sort of discovery of, of knowing who you are and why you are and who you were before and all of those kinds of themes uh, and how you want to be going forward. Um, some really interesting characters throughout. Um, this is not, you know, a five-page book for, for you know, uh, under 10 or something. It is definitely young adult. Um, and it's just a nice little book uh, to, to read in the summertime. It's something that's a little bit off the beaten path in terms of uh, some of the other young adult sort of themes that you get. Now, this this kind of younger lighter uh writing or content is that normal for this author yes gordon corman is known Typical? for known for okay. for young adult uh he usually straddles that line between um sort of well the best definition is young adult right uh between sort of going into adulthood uh is, is where he he sort of excels son of a mobster is is uh, more on the adult side but but definitely mm -hmm. geared towards the teenage audience right and I guess the themes sometimes feel like they could go deeper. Is that just up to us, or does he put that right in there? It's that medium sort of level of, you know, it's not it's not going to make you think too much if you don't want to, but if you want to start getting into, you know, okay, well, what does that actually mean, and, and how is that, and examining certain characters, you can certainly uh, do that. Kind of cool. I, and when you say young adult, I always kind of stretch it. You know, it could go younger, it could go older, right. and especially because now this trend of YA novels, right? The fiction, yep. contemporary YA novels is, seems to be just hitting. And um, so I think, like, can it go as young as it can go old? You know, like teens, preteens, uh, I, I be able to read this book? To some degree. I mean, Amnesia is, is a fairly... Uh, adult concept like somebody like a six-year-old or eight-year-old probably not going to understand what no, the concept of, of, of amnesia in general so i think this is more towards the junior high um level uh, and mm -hmm. up uh, i guess you could take it as as up as you want from there but um like, yeah i think some of the you know some of the sort of practical life human science slash health related stuff uh people aren't going to really understand uh if they're right. not of a certain age yeah, and at least we can all convince ourselves that we're still young adults, ongoing young adults. <laughs> exactly. I don't feel bad at all about reading this book. I'm like, yeah, this is a really cool book. And I've talked to people <laughs> that are it. much older than me and described the book, and they're like, that sounds amazing. I'm going to pick it up. And I'm like, mm. okay, nothing, to be, oh, nothing yeah. to be embarrassed about now. 
<laughs> yeah, the mini synopsis does sound very intriguing, you know, especially oh. when you're talking about flawed characters, right? Or characters who kind of maybe get a restart on life. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I'm not going purposely not going through all the characters in, in the book just because they are very well done uh, with, with Corman. Um, one of one of the characters in the book is actually the sister of the uh, of the person he used to pick on uh, the most, mm-hmm. who actually left the city. His parents actually sent him away to boarding school because he was getting picked on so much by this football guy. Uh, and his wow. sister has to deal with this guy coming back. And then, you know, as children are, not a lot of the children were believing that he had amnesia in the first place. So that's another sort of interesting part of the book where where Gordon Corman gets. He's very good at sort of determining what the mentality of somebody of that age group would would be, uh, mm. and, and how much they would sort of understand and how much they were willing to believe. Um, to the point where even his best friends are like, "Is he faking it because he's trying to get out of this thing or that thing?" And it's, you know, uh, these these kinds of concepts. So, right. Yeah. yeah, that's really. I feel like this could be done so well, and we've seen it in um, film and other books, and you know, just like that kind of. Um, pause oh wow this can be a very bittersweet situation for somebody and so we get to kind of be on that journey with them as the person who's not going through it yeah very curious and i think the the other thing corman does well is just putting some abstract ridiculous concepts in for for comedic effect which is fantastic i'll I'll go through one just to tease people to read the book is is one guy who's part of the video club and he's begging people to do this uh to, to film him to do a youtube video that he wants to be viral for and nobody wants to do it, and it, it ends up being him on a tricycle going through a car wash. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, he, he has quite the imagination, Corman does. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. And it's always uh, fun to see where, where it goes in the book. Clearly, he's kind of willing to throw anything into the mix. That's so prevalent, even from just a teaser about what this book is. Exactly. So the second book, you toss it right in the middle. Um, but it, would you say this is your favorite of the three you're going to yeah, pick? Yeah, this is actually one of my favorites in general uh, in recent Period. times. Yeah, um, it's rare that I want to give a book a standing ovation when there's nobody to see it. But uh, <laughs> this book definitely deserves it. Uh, the book's title is called My Oxford Year by Julia Whelan. Um, I reviewed her other book, Thank You for Listening, and we did it for Amr's Evening Book Club uh, last month. But that was very popular, very well received. And very well written. Uh, this is actually her debut novel, uh, My Oxford Year, and it is outstanding. Uh, it is a love story. Uh, I guess if I had to classify, I would call it rom-com. But uh, Julia Whelan herself is somebody who teaches literature and writing. Um, and the main character in this particular book happens to be a Rhodes Scholar who is very um, literate and has a massive vocabulary. Um, so if you if you're interested in that, uh, this book is definitely for you. Uh, if you're not so great in the vocabulary department, this book still fits. Uh, it doesn't use it so much where you're lost or anything like that, but you get a good sense of the character and what she's she's after. Uh, the premise, which I will again try to shy away from giving too much away, because part of the fun of reading Julia Whelan is where she takes the storylines. But it basically starts with, as I said, a Rhodes Scholar from the United States. Um, who has been given in, um, an opportunity to be at Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar to study. And as she, you know, gets to Oxford, hasn't even attended her first class, she gets a call up from 
uh, a political party and, and campaign that she's been part of for years that they want her to be one of the more important people in the party and can she come back to the United States right now because she's running for president, the person that uh, she had worked for previously as a lower functionary. Um, so she has to balance this, this, um, these, these sort of priorities. And again, Julia Breland does a fantastic job of, of mixing comedy, seriousness, real life situations as I uh, describe them. Just beautiful writer. Uh, she's a very talented narrator as well. I can't wait to you know uh, pick up another book that's narrated by her. In the Sea collection, there's only two books written by her. I don't know if that's the entire um, length and breadth of her writing, but uh, I know she's done more than that for for narration. So, um, uh, absolute pleasure to read the book. It will make you laugh. It will make you cry. To to to, to use a cliche, um, mm. but uh, you'll be very satisfied after reading it. I, I doubt many people will be disappointed after reading uh, this particular book. Right. And most, um, as I said, from the book club, most people loved Thank You for Listening. And then you decided to go back and check out her first book. So we already know, because we talk with you all the time, uh, that you just go right into it if you enjoyed something by an author you're like i'll pick up another book by this author and then you'll say hey this author's actually consistently uh good so with this one were there were there any other books by her or did you just go back in the in the sila collection i only saw these two i don't know if there's other books out there from her but um uh, if there are i'd love to read them Mm, yeah clearly we're putting it out there now um and of course Everything about it sounds great, and you included the narration in that. Um, but was there particularly something about this book that tugs you as like, oh, she does this so well as an author that stands out more than just like a book that you, you know, was satisfying, was enjoying? Like, What makes this a, a peak favorite? I think I enjoy being surprised. Thank you for listening and this particular book. She tells the story really well and and leads you in certain directions, which is great. Um, but in a lot of books, even if they're formulaic, it's it's about what how they they unfold that that story. Um, and thank you for listening. It's fairly obvious. It's going to be a romance, and two people are going to fall in love. And this is not dissimilar. But uh, there's a lot of other things going on uh, where it just feels like a, an experience, and it feels like you're there. Um, again, the narration, all of these other elements that I talked about, sort of package it together to be like you're you're like really in the character uh, and looking through the character's eyes. That's really interesting. Uh, was there a lot of internal introspective of characters in this book? I think that she does that well too, in terms of explaining internal introspective very well of her characters mm-hmm. about what they are looking for what they are not looking for and how they are thinking about certain situations. Uh, we saw that in Thank You for Listening. We see it here. Um, and I think that's an interesting piece that she does too because in a lot of the same situations, I think most of us would react a certain way. Mm. And her characters don't always react the same way. And she does a great job of actually explaining why. Oh, that's a nice way. Like, that's a nice tactic to do it because, you know, oftentimes we're relating to characters. But what if they aren't on the same wavelength that we are how do we respond to that Mm. exactly yeah you got to ease us in uh okay cool so i'm definitely curious about this one too and i'm you know right before we started recording this you were like 
uh, you're not going to put this on the top of your <laughs> to do to read list. So that's always like public, you know, everybody read this book. Thanks. You have one more. I do. Uh, this is the most serious out of the bunch. This is definitely not a feel good book. Uh, this is The Return of Faraz Ali by Amina Ahmad. Um, and this is a much more historical fiction piece. Um, this is looking at a particular character over quite a number of years. Um, in this case, it's uh, basically the Second World War, which is 1942-ish, uh, right up to the um, uh, the formation of Bangladesh as a country, uh, which is, I believe, the late 60s. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. So he's basically looking at a lifetime of this this police officer. Um, this is, like I said, not a feel-good movie. It's I would classify it as family story. Um, it's an interesting book because from a storyline and, and story arc perspective, you're not really sure what you're getting. Um, and again, the author's not trying to please you, which is uh, an interesting concept. But the book is interesting. It's phenomenally written. Uh, you really do feel like you're there. Uh, again, the police officer is a very interesting character to have as a central character in this particular time frame and and time in this country's history. And there's a lot of a morality that he has to deal with in terms of what he's doing, why he's doing it, whether he can live with what he's done, um, and, and all these kinds of concepts. So you have this, you know, police uh, corruption theme running around. You have this uh, politics uh, running around. Again, this is also the uh, the years I mentioned. In between those years, you also had the separation of India and Pakistan. So he was around for that. Um, you know, the whole book starts off with a murder in the red light district of Lahore, Pakistan, which uh, even for a lot of us that um, may have parents from there, we may not know that that actually even existed back in the day, but um, it did, apparently. Um, a lot of the things in this book is, is based on historical fact, although it is fiction. Um, and his first sort of task when we, when we open the book is to basically sweep this young uh, murdered girl's uh, uh, murder under, basically sweep it and, and cover it up. And that's where his sort of morality struggles start. Um, he has his own daughter, which also you know propels him to be a little bit more moral than I, guess I think he would normally be. Um, but a lot of real characters that, you know, the the characters switch in terms of perspective. It's just not him. Uh, you see him, his uh, biological father, and there's a reason why I'm using that. Uh, then there's a reason why the book is called The Return of Faraz Ali. Uh, because, you know, uh, he has a certain relationship with his biological father, but was never legitimized by him. Um, which is a theme we've seen, seen a lot with in terms of, you know, kings and monarchs and stuff, but we haven't really seen it in terms of a class structure piece, uh, especially in sort of uh, Asia and that particular part of the world. So that was interesting to me to see, um, you know, for for that particular region, there's, it's usually steeped in a lot of uh, religion and cultural pieces. Um, to, so to see a book about the cultural classes and, and how that worked from that time along mixed in with the politics of that time are, are just amazing to to experience um i i think this book might be a little bit difficult for somebody that's not from that part of the world um sort of like firekeeper's daughter where um it's a book we read with which is indigenous where all sorts of 
uh, indigenous words were thrown in. There are a lot of Urdu words thrown in in this book uh, from from the author. Most of them are defined, so I don't think you have too hard a time. But again, if you've never really experienced any of uh, India or Pakistan's culture, this book is probably going to be a bit difficult for you to get your head around. Is that just the grasp of you know us being pretty potentially being ethnocentric and then not being able to kind of step outside our own experiences and backgrounds and philosophies to understand this as something that goes on because it's history still right it's history still but there there is a lot of culture that's in this book that you know again they they say certain words or phrases and if you're not familiar with so them, it's more you tactile and literal like T- tactile and literal and the author has a habit of doing some um what i call unsaid writing <laughs> she doesn't do it too much, but um, there are some authors that that will literally, you know, I think Jane Austen is one of them from Pride and Prejudice, where you know she'll say one thing, still but you're stuck sp- in your head, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I did finish it though. I did finish it. Good. Um, uh, but you know, the authors say one thing, but they mean another, or mm-hmm. the author will say something, or the author will literally write in the book, like, and you know, to say something of the effect that, and it, and it lied. And, it, and the truth lay between them, but they don't tell you what the actual truth right. is. Right. So the author does do a little bit of that, but not to the point where, you know, you're frustrated and you're like, what is this about? Um, um, but again, from a cultural context, you sort of get it because those types of things are taboo and you don't really talk about them. So it's an interesting mix of that, too, in terms of this book, because the whole book is about all sorts of taboo subjects, which... Um, which are taboo in, in that part of the world in terms of red light district and, uh, you know, of, of prostitution and, and these types of things. And then on, on some occasions, she's choosing not to even name certain things. So um, yeah. it's uh, it's an interesting book. Uh, somebody asked me if, if it, you know, how gruesome it is and, and how sort of deep down the rabbit hole you get with, with some of this stuff. And, and uh, I'd say an R rating is probably about right for this one. Uh, it's definitely not something you want. Um you know, thirteen year old or something like that to to be to sure. be reading, um, but at the same time, it's not it's not icky and, and it doesn't go down the uh, the horror sort of uh, line of things where it's describing in detail you know torture scenes or anything like it doesn't go into any of that. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Like when you kind of rate books this way, um, or or feel tempted to, and wonder like but what would make us say this like is it the philosophies is it the violence and the bloodshed or is Mm. it just you know contextualizing something for a kid which can be very difficult and no and these are do we take on that accountability yeah and and there's some very adult concepts here too right about like what you can live with and what you can't live with of being coerced into something of the concept of just pure survival in the most sort of naked sense of the uh, of the word uh, in terms of being able to live, um, you know, survivor's guilt is there too. In terms mm-hmm. of you know, you're, uh, there's concept of POWs and the mentality that goes with that. Um, uh, and you know, it, it's interesting because the 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 book also takes the perspective of his father in the Second World War. Mm. So his experiences of of going through that, and he becomes a politician. Um, so you know, like how that sort of comes to be, and and, and what war does to people. Um, these concepts of families and what that does to people about our own central character who doesn't feel all that connected to his family because he has issues with not knowing his own biological family. So mm. you have all these themes and, you know, 
when I look at books in terms of ratings and things, I always think, would I recommend this book to somebody else? Right. And this is one of these books where, like, if you're interested in politics and a little bit harder read uh, in terms of family stories and, and sort of these sort of man versus yourself kind of concepts, this is a good book to read. Yeah. And then the second question that somebody will probably ask me is, where did you find this book? <laughs> <laughs> so I found this book, actually, it's part of the, uh, I mentioned this earlier, NPR did an article about 14 books that will take you around the world. Okay. Um, the Red Palace was on this list by June Herr, which I read, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely a feel-good book. Um, this one uh, was on the list as well. So uh, I-, I took it up. I was a bit squeamish given the the synopsis and the title. <laughs> yes. Uh, I knew yes. it was not going to be a, you know, a, a fun book in terms of you know uh, something I'd be raving about in terms of, oh, you have to read this because it's so fun. Uh, but it, it, again, the author is talented. This is her first book as well. Um, which I found amazing. Uh, it, it's put together quite, quite well. And, yeah. you know, uh, again, from the quote that you you opened with as well. Exactly. No, definitely for, for writing and skilled uh, phrasing, that quote is an example. But, you know, you've been definitely coming out of your comfort zone with <laughs> some of the books you've been choosing to read in the last year or so. And maybe that's just the influence of, hey, we're all in together with book club. And sometimes that's really helpful. Um, but it, it's great to get these reviews at the end of the month with you, Amir. That's a wrap. Amir Khan joins us at the end of the month with some of his uh, three picks. Not some, definitely three. And that's it for this week's episode of AMI Audiobook Review. I'm Ramia Amadan, the host of the show with Nisreen Abdel-Majid, our technical producer. Until next week, happy audiobook listening. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.